Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com. You're listening to another DevOps Chat Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Vikram Kapoor, who's co-founder and CTO at Lacework. Our topic today is security as a platform. Vikram, welcome to DevOps Chat. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very glad to be here. Uh, I've been developing applications for 20 years, and I've worked in like systems and security and databases for a vast majority of it. Um, and glad to be talking to DevOps audience today and, and share my thoughts on security. Excellent. Well, you have a rich background in security. Tell us a little bit about, I think you were the original founder of Lacework. Is that correct? Yes. So I'm the, co- I'm the co-founder of Lacework and the CTO. Uh, I've been here for like last four and a half years now. And uh, before this, I worked at Oracle for a large uh, period of my career initially. And then uh, I've been working on basically data center applications or data centers in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really what kind of uh, motivated me to start Lacework where, you know, solving a data center security problem or a cloud security problem is fundamentally a very interesting problem. And it's a, you know, hard problem and, you know, people are kind of struggling with it to kind of do it the right way. And we started Lacework to make sure we can solve it as a platform which kind of does a large number of things versus like, you know, point solutions for uh, security for cloud. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, it's great to hear that sort of where you came from. Oftentimes, entrepreneurs take a problem they've had and go create a company to do it. Sounds like you've done that too. Um, you know, we had some recent news. I know you had some funding, uh, funding round, $42 million. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So uh, not to just talk about the money, but let's talk about what you might do with some of that funding. What are some yeah. of your plans around uh, helping grow the company? So we are actually very excited to announce that and, and get that funding of 42 million. Uh, basically, you know, it kind of is going to go towards our, uh, you know, the company goal, which is to kind of secure clouds. And uh, we believe that you nearly need a new generation of security, which is purpose built for cloud uh, to kind of solve that problem. Uh, partly because, you know, the cloud has fundamentally changed the tech stack and it's actually very different than, you know, the old school Colo data centers, even though, you know, it seems as if all I'm doing is renting VMs, but, you know, it's actually a lot more than that. And partly because it's very dynamic, it's very elastic, it's very API-centric, and it becoming, you know, more DevOps uh, kind of, uh, the, the, the whole DevOps kind of trend is partly because of moving to the cloud and then how that enables people to do things more efficiently. Uh, unfortunately, it also introduces new attack vectors, you know, makes the old technologies not very useful, uh, like no network ideas or firewalls are kind of great, but they're not sufficient enough in the cloud environment. And the funding is basically going to go towards, you know, supporting the product and innovation at scale and help us cultivate and, uh, you know, a culture for security and compliance and DevOps to embed security continuously uh, in their environment, essentially. Well, great. Let's, let's pull that apart a little bit because you talked about a lot of things there, and I'm really interested <laughs> in what your thoughts on this. One is... Um, you know, the technology stack has changed, certainly we're using different kinds of software containers, et cetera, cloud services. Uh, but we're also architecting applications, different microservices, yeah. et cetera. And then there's also the culture side of it. Let's start with culture and okay. why DevOps is so important to building that into your product and how you create that. Uh, or I think we'll talk about sort of your platform strategy next, but tell us about DevOps and how that fits into the picture. Yeah, so essentially, if you kind of think about the new stack and the cloud and containers and Kubernetes and microservices, like if you, the main underlying theme in all of that is kind of driving towards infrastructure as a code, right? Like essentially, Mm -hmm. 
you're not racking and installing hardware anymore that's been done by the public cloud provider. Even if you're a cloud native uh, application, you fundamentally cannot deal with VMs and containers and you know the code that you need to run versus the infrastructure that's running under the cover. And that world is very API-centric. It's really, everything gets done through an API. Now, when you have things that are being done by an API, you obviously need developers to do it. And so that kind of becomes a DevOps theme where you are, you're kind of developing code to actually run your infrastructure. So it's actually, so infrastructure as a code becomes a main theme there. And security, you know, kind of derives from that infrastructure. Like if you design it in and bake it in into your uh, infrastructure during, you know, your buildup, then it's far easier to kind of deal with it versus like, you know, late, later on, like, you know, strapping on like a firewall or an mm-hmm. IDS on the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, like, you know, DevOps and security has become really critical, partly because of the API-centric world and then having the need for security to kind of bake into the architecture early on versus later in the game. And the other trend, which I've also kind of very interesting to me is that uh, containers on one end have actually made things very easy for developers to develop, right? Like I can worry about my dependencies and not about, you know, other applications. But at the same time, it also has pushed some of the responsibility from the operation side to the developers now, like vulnerability management being a good example or least privilege being a good example. Like when I develop something, I need to kind of worry about it at that point, like mm-hmm. not later in the game. Shift left, so move into DevSecOps, yeah. Yep, so that kind of goes into DevSecOps where Lacebook is trying to basically help our customers kind of piece this together, uh, where you have to be able to kind of have some responsibility goes to developers, some to security, some at runtime, some at build time, and have visibility and automation to be able to manage your thousands of VMs and you know hundreds of developers coding and developing and releasing software every day uh, at a very high speed versus doing a quarterly release. Okay, so some things you said that are really interesting. One is, you know, we have different kinds of architecture. We're building applications that are API-centric rather than just APIs as an integration layer. Uh, We're obviously creating lots of containers, lots of microservices, pushing the security into that. Um, Talk about how DevOps as a a methodology or process or or a philosophy of how you build software, how has that changed how you approach building security products for that environment. Yep, so I think uh, the, so if in, in the earlier world, right, like, you know, in the Colo and the data center world, uh, security was basically driven through perimeter. And network was like, you know, the way your security got delivered to a large number of people, whereas a network centric, like network IDS or a network IPS or firewalls. Uh, but when I think about developers and how containers and microservices are changing the architecture, um, we have actually built a Blazework from ground up to actually not be perimeter centric. So essentially, it's about the things that run in the environment. It's about tracking behaviors for every individual entity, uh, be it a user or a application or a container. And then think about scale from ground up where, you know, it's not so much about a VM one because VMs can come and die all the time. Mm-hmm. Auto scalability happens all the time. IPs change all the time. And being able to kind of think about them as a, a unit as a cluster of things, so so that then you can scale up your security along with DevOps. So when I think about a service that imagine scales up during the day and scales down during the night, or can burst into the cloud, uh, you know, as a DevOps, I can do all that today with you know with the technologies that are available to me. Then the security also has to basically take that into account and not produce false positives just because a new VM started, 
or it doesn't understand that these 20 containers are really the same application. So Lacework actually is designed to do that, and I think that's part of the reason why it's new, new security where uh, you have to think about how DevOps works to actually deliver security for them in the new world versus trying to define a perimeter and trying to you know watch every VM through a firewall rule or micro-segmentation to say, this is what you should do because, you know well, guess what? VMs don't last that long. Containers are a few seconds, so I don't really care about containers. I care about the application that's running on top of it. Mm-hmm. I have to say, Vikram, you're warming my heart here because as, as important the technology is, actually be, believe how we create software is fundamentally changed. And yes, DevOps a big part of that. But that shift also, of course, now you're talking about thinking about security at an API, security at container, not at perimeter of what servers talk to across networks, which is a yeah. whole different philosophy. Yep, yep, yeah. I, I, so I think that's actually one of the fundamental shifts, I think, where which is kind of driving from the DevOps world uh, into security at this point where, you know, it. I don't think it's enough to basically uh, not understand what's going on from the visibility perspective in your accounts. Like, so clouds are like, you know, if you kind of think about cloud, uh, you know, evol- evolution, uh, there are three big public cloud providers today and there are like hundreds of services each and then like, you know, hundreds of APIs in each service. Mm-hmm. And every one of them has potential like you know big json objects that they take and then have security implications on your posture so you know and that's just the apis and then you have resources that you have like buckets and security groups and vms and ports that you may or may not have turned on and then along with all that you're running vms and you're running containers and you're running kubernetes and you're running a lot of stuff in there so for a, a human to keep track of all that and understand how an attacker will come in from where and go where and what it will attack is basically a pretty hard problem. And to solve that problem, really, you have to kind of get above the the physical noise of like, you know, which VM, which container and get to the logical place where you say this application and this, this user or this set of services and then be able to from there derive the security properties automatically and understand what a user does in one environment at any given time so that over time I can build a behavior profile for them and then use that to detect when they deviate from their behavior profile. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the basis for how we do security in a, in a picture. In a, in a, in a, in a, but essentially kind of it drives from the fact that you kind of have to start thinking logical and not think more physical when it comes to assets. Well, I think what you're, what you're describing too is um, Lacework talks about security as a platform or as platforms. Uh-huh which is the comprehensive components of all of that and, and all the inner workings of that. How would you describe security as a platform? Yeah, so security as a platform to me um, uh, basically boils down to cloud as a platform, you know, as a mirror of that. Like when I think of AWS or GCP or Azure, um, it's a platform where I run my application the way I need to do it. Like I may use SES, I may use SQS, uh, I may use like, you know, Redshift or Aurora or some other service. So mm-hmm. I kind of write my application for my needs. And similarly, when the security for that application comes into play, it has to come into play for all the services I use. And it has to kind of play as a platform too. So fundamentally, you know, you're not trying to buy a piecemeal product which solves your you know, configuration problem and then a piecemeal product that solves your API problem and a piecemeal product that solves your file integrity monitoring or host IDS. But you kind of really need to think of it as a platform where you say all of these are aspects of my security and if I don't do one, I leave the door open for an attacker to come in from there. So interestingly enough for an attacker, if I get into one of your applications, 
through either uh, application vulnerability or through a weak password or whatever right mm-hmm. from there i could get into your cloud account through you know instance profiles and credentials that i acquire from there and then from my accounts i can open your buckets and i can so as an attacker the, the you know it's the least, the weakest link is the link i need to go attack so if you don't think of this as a platform where you kind of comprehensively watch everything get visibility across the board protect everything you are going to leave a door open somewhere and that's where the guy is going to come in from so yeah, to us yeah sorry it's just shedding that kind of shell security approach that perimeter even if you collapse the perimeter it's still thinking of it as you're going to if everything inside is going to be safe protected it's not you have to protect all layers of it because any one of them may be an attack vector surface yep yeah. yeah. in fact i think that the the, the perimeter the non existence of perimeters today is partly why all the perimeter solutions like firewalls and network ideas is basically fundamentally don't work on the cloud mm-hmm. like you just there is no perimeter like if you think of s3 you know in my old world like s3 used to be a filer sitting behind my firewalls behind in a in a cage lock somewhere in a room with no api access and i could argue it's secure because you can't get to it mm-hmm. uh, but nowadays s3 is your filer and guess what it's a giant filer available from anywhere in the world to anybody in the world at any given time uh, at speed at cost and the only thing that protects them from not being able to access your data is a 50 byte bucket policy and if mm-hmm. i get to your account i can change that 50 bytes so it's fundamentally lack of perimeter means that you have to kind of think of this as a very different problem and that's why a new security comes into play now to uh, effectively use lacework do you have to be approaching this developing your software as cloud native applications can you do this if you're just doing um docker and and uh containers um or orchestration kubernetes uh what's what's sort of the entry point to begin using your technology so actually we support like multiple ways to do it like so fundamentally if you are using these technologies like container kubernetes in in a cloud account somewhere uh we you could uh, there are two ways we can uh, approach that problem one is to is a is a agentless way where you end up giving us you know your credentials or your iam role for example to be able to read some of the properties of your account and then uh, and then we can kind of secure that or give us access to your hub.docker or ecr uh, read only and we can then secure that part or it's a per vm uh, uh, like a sensor or an agent that runs on the vm and then delivers the security properties of you know uh, that are the security features that are relevant on a vm per vm basis uh, so we can kind of uh, engage people on both sides and uh, and some lot of our customers starts with the agentless thing where they kind of get started on like you know the uh, the basic stuff that they need to do and then they kind of join, uh, as they become more sophisticated they end up using more on the sensor and the agent side to give like more deeper uh, visibility and the analytics and the breach detection capabilities that we have okay, so for the for the elements that don't require an agent what kind of security services are those what is it securing yeah so for things that don't require an agent uh, some of the examples would be uh, if you have a cloud account you want to actually uh, regularly monitor your uh, resources to make sure those resources are not uh, accidentally or by mistake you know misconfigured um, you also want mm-hmm. to look at your apis and make sure that there is no anomaly in the behavior in the apis itself like somebody mm-hmm. uh, for an example your administrator who logs in from california all the time suddenly start logging in from another country uh, mm-hmm. things like that and then along with that you also have vulnerability management where uh, you also uh, you want to make sure the software that you're really deploying doesn't have any vulnerabilities in it and critical vulnerabilities that you need to patch 
that's the third piece that we do for agentless um, SKU essentially. Um, and then we do that obviously for Azure, GCP, and AWS, like three big accounts. Uh, and I think uh, like going forward in the roadmap, you're also going to help people with like uh, making sure their Kubernetes audit logs and the Kubernetes compliance and uh, all that stuff is also uh, taken care of from an agentless perspective. Okay, great. Well, kind of go back to the culture part of this a little bit. How do you see security engineers, people that are network security professionals, making a, this transition to kind of rethinking about security as a platform, thinking about it not just as a perimeter te technology? Uh, what are some of the ways people can make that transition? Because I'm, I'm sure it's probably a little easier for application developers to do that because they understand all the elements of the software that they're developing, Kubernetes, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So actually, it's, uh, so I think it's, uh, there's like, you know, a lot of good news on that side. Uh, but like, uh, so a little bit of perspective before that, like, so essentially, uh, network at this point is basically not very useful, right? Because IP sports change, Kubernetes runs a BGP overlay on top of like the base network. Uh, but at the same time, like for a network security person who has, has the skill set of kind of trying to understand how to use connectivity as a basis to detect problems, uh, that kind of migrates to a higher level where if you can get, you know, from tools like Lacework, you know, an application connectivity graph or a container connectivity graph or their behaviors, you can basically apply the same security principle at the application layer. So you can kind of try to understand why is there a command and control coming in or something, what DNS is I doing. Uh, so essentially, you know, that security knowledge kind of translates up to the application stack, mm -hmm. uh, but you really need to get to the application or the user. Because fundamentally, a lot of the security earlier, people used to do application, but the IP and port used to be a proxy for an application. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't remember the IP of my database, and I would know the port for my database, and therefore I know it's my database. Uh, but nowadays, there is no IP and port that's fixed. So fundamentally, I think it's the same knowledge, but you have to apply the application layer. So you need tools that can let you do that. And then I think it becomes a lot more interesting. Well, it seems like you're saying also that moving from a more traditional security world where things are very protocol-centric, you know, TCP, IP, et cetera, to a world where you still have protocols, but of course now you're dealing with software architecture. Maybe this is a good approach to help security engineers learn uh, more about that software architecture without having to be experts in it yep. to start out. Yep. So they don't need to be an expert on it when they start out. Uh, but fundamentally, if they look at an application graph for their data center, and imagine you're running uh, 5,000 VMs, and you have like you know front ends and the back end and the middle tier, and you have Nginx running and HA proxy running and Kubernetes running, at some point, like you know, at the network layer, it's a complete mismatch. But when you look at the network at the higher level and the logical application layer, you end up seeing a very clear signal of external IPs coming into Nginx, from Nginx getting forwarded to the internal proxies and then proxies getting to the applications and the application then responding and then they talking to another of their dependencies and finally going to the DNS servers on the other end. So for somebody who has done network security, I think it's a it's a it's a little bit of a learning curve, but basically, you know, it's a transition to an application world where it's a similar view. Uh, and then the security properties of the network can be translated to the application. But you need to be having tooling that can get you to the application layer to begin with. Otherwise, it looks like a big mismatch of IPs and ports, which have basically no meaning, and everything is encrypted on top of it. Uh, 
This has been really great. I have one last question that kind of goes in a very different direction. And that's you as an entrepreneur. You've been doing this for a while. I think about four years since you started the help co-founded the company. Um, what have you learned about being a CTO about uh, that role or about yourself through the evolution of lace, lace work that you could share yeah. with other entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I think one of the things which has been the biggest learning for me here is really how uh, when you start kind of uh, with the start with the premise and you start thinking about the problem that you're trying to solve, how that problem kind of matures at a pace and how you kind of keep pace with it. So like fundamentally, when we started four or five years ago, like Kubernetes was just starting out, wasn't as big a uh, thing it is today. And then clouds were obviously a very big piece and that's why we started the company to begin with. Uh, but like one of the, my learnings is to really kind of keep in, in touch with how it's very important to keep in touch with how the market is kind of evolving to make sure you can kind of be where they need to be, you know, when you need to be. So you need to be really thinking ahead like six months to a year. And like, for example, right now, we are already kind of thinking about how communities gets evolved and what their roadmap is and how we play with them. Uh, so that like a year from now, we are at the right place where we need to be to help our customers uh, versus like, you know, not knowing about something. And then eventually that becomes a problem because we couldn't help customers. Well, Vikram, this has been fantastic. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm really glad to be here and really enjoyed my conversation with you. I did as well. I'd like to thank Vikram Kapoor, co-founder and CTO of Lacework, for joining us today. And of course, thank you, you, our listeners, for joining us. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you've listened to another DevOps chat. Be careful out there.